You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey everyone and welcome back to Page to Stage, a conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. My name is Madison Sylvester. Um, I'm a casting associate at Telsey and Company, and I work in our theatrical department. Cool. How long have you been with Telsey? I have been there for about four and a half years. I had a full-time internship my last semester of college, and then I stuck around as an employee, and I've been there ever since. And you went to school at Wagner, right? Mm -hmm. For Arts Administrative? Yep, correct. So can you talk a little bit about that program and why you decided to go for Arts Administration and how it brought you to casting? Yeah, I, you know, performed for fun in high school and college a little bit. Um, And I knew I wanted to do something in the theater industry, but I didn't want to act and audition and put myself through that because I know that's just not something that, I as a person would have liked um so I thought that was a really good balance of you know there was great business advanced business classes that I had to take and I still got theatrical basic theater training there um and I made some really good connections and I had a internship at a talent agency that through someone that I met at Wagner and then that led to my internship at Telsey so it was just kind of a natural progression is it typical, would you say, that you would go from an internship to be to become a casting associate in the casting world? Um, not always. And I was an assistant for two years before I moved up recently. Especially in casting, a lot of it is freelance. A lot of the work is freelance, and there's not often full-time positions available just because of the nature of the business. And also our office is sort of an anomaly in that we're so large and we have so many full-time employees. Um, a lot of people that I know and some people that I went to college with are freelance casting directors and, you know, they work for six months or a year on a series or a film or something and continue moving on, which is also a great way to do it. But Yeah. Arts administrative is such a big umbrella. So yes. what made you focus in on casting was it just like luck that you wanted to do an internship in casting and and just liked it yeah it kind of is I wasn't really sure when I started um my arts administration major I wasn't sure I was thinking about maybe like theatrical journalism because I like to write also but I had always known about casting and I always thought it was something that would be interesting and it's a really creative job to have and so I could still have that outlet you know and it's not just like an administrative office job which I don't I like that aspect of it also but after I interned at the talent agency clear talent group that I was at um the summer after my junior year of college a lot of what talent agents do and what casting directors do it's kind of like flip sides of the same coin in like the desk work 
aspect and I spent my whole summer interning there talking to casting directors and so I kind of just wanted to see what the other end of that relationship was going to be like so it was kind of luck and kind of prior knowledge I guess (laughs) at Wagner Mm -hmm. was casting a part of your curriculum or I guess what was part of your curriculum then it was not for um, arts administration you could just choose like a broad category to focus in I don't know that there's any casting class at Wagner at this point, but um, I did take like theater PR, which was one of my favorite classes that I took there with a really great professor. Um, We took a lot of basic things like we had to take like stage design and we had like a lighting class and acting class, which is interesting. And I really enjoyed it. Someone who, you know, had a bit of a performing background. Yeah, it seems to be one of those things that until you do it or until you're in the environment, you're not going to get something from a class that you're going to get in the environment. Yeah, that's that's really what it is. You sort of just have to like dive headfirst into it, which is why internships are so great. And that's something that I always say to like, you know, when our current interns are asking for advice, I always say do as many internships as you can during school because I only did one and you know it worked yeah it worked yeah it worked but like (laughs) thank god yeah thank god but um you can learn so much about literally every aspect of the business like if you have the time and that's the best way to learn it but also with internships you get that that real world experience that you may not get or that you probably won't get within the classroom yeah 100 percent. i mean there's only so much that you can do in classes and guest speakers help to get Mm -hmm. like that professional perspective and I remember in my theater PR class, we had a guest speaker, um, a pretty well-known critic, talk to us. And so that was interesting to hear someone's outside perspective. But again, it's not you. You're not out in the field doing it. Um, So it is kind of hard. But I do know that there's, um, not at Wagner College, but the Casting Society of America has like a casting training program. I do wish I could say more about this right now, but I don't know much. <laughs> well, go look it up, people. Yeah, yeah, look it up. Well, we can also put the link in the description. I know you're talking about because I've looked it yeah. up. Yeah. Yes, and I just saw they posted about it. Um, like a fellowship almost. Yeah, yeah, it's like a fellowship, some sort of training program, which is really awesome because there aren't many schools, if there are any, that offer casting classes or any casting training because it it's a really hands-on thing that you just have to dive into. When you first got offered a job at Telsey, mm-hmm. is it the same job that you have now? Or did mm-hmm. you move up a little bit in the ranks? Um, I moved up in the ranks, but also I've worked in a few departments since I started there. When I s- first started full-time, I was working on commercials a lot. Um, and then I worked on a few TV series. Uh, one, The Family on ABC, and there was a mini Amazon series that I worked on also and then after a few months of that I moved into the theatrical department where I'm at now and I mostly work on um, just straight plays a lot of off-Broadway nonprofit theater some Broadway um, commercial productions and like a musical or two scattered what would you say your day looks like like on an average day like what what type of work are you doing There is not an average day um, in -hmm. casting, I feel like. But a a lot of the time, you know, there's a lot of desk work. There's a lot of maintaining our lists and maintaining audition schedules that I'm setting up for, you know, the coming days and weeks. Um, A lot of conference calls, a lot. With directors and creatives? Yeah, exactly. Um, And making a plan, you know, for 
our auditions that are coming up or if it's a project where we're just making offers to actors just discussing that plan of action and you know some days I'll be in auditions or pre-screens if we don't have the team there so it really varies which is exciting and that's something that I really like about the day it's definitely never dull what projects are you currently working on what's running and what have you been doing in the office recently um currently running uh I worked on network that just closed on Broadway a little bit ago with Brian Cranston um I also work on the Oklahoma revival that is currently on Broadway which is exciting that's one of the only musicals that I work on um but that's a pretty unique project so that's exciting for me um, we cast for MCC Theater and the Atlantic Theater. I was just at the opening last night for Sunday. That's at the Atlantic Theater, which was a really lovely play by um, Jack Thorne, who wrote Cursed Child. So that was exciting as well. Um, and believe it or not, we are starting up on the next summer seasons of We Cast for Williamstown Theater Festival. Um, and it is September, and we are starting on summer 2020 a little bit, which is exciting. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so as an assistant, mm-hmm. what is the biggest difference that you see between you and the casting director that is assigned the project? And how many assistants are working on a project? Is it just one or two? It depends from department to department. Like, for example, our musicals department, like the musical theater department is a lot larger just because the there's so much more work to be done. And a lot of that is maintenance shows that run for such a long time. And because a lot of our projects are off Broadway, they have, you know, limited runs because they have a season to fill everything else to cycle in, obviously. Um, for us, it's actually just three casting directors in our department and then myself and my other associate. Um, and it's usually just one casting director and one associate for us. Sometimes the two casting directors will tag team. I would say it's great because, you know, we have an open floor plan in our office, so it's a really collaborative nature and it's a really, like, open environment for people to just run ideas off each other and, you know... I, I'm giving as many ideas as the casting director is. Maybe the only difference is they're in session a bit more with the teams just because there's things that I have to maintain, you know, at my desk for the future sessions. But yeah, it's pretty good balance. As a casting associate, and you've been there for a few years now, do you feel that you're able to contribute freely all of your thoughts or ideas on any given project? Yeah, I do. Um, I don't always... You know, if we're on a conference call with a big director or a big playwright or something, I'm not always, like, saying the first thing that comes to my mind just to, you know, I want to run it past someone first. But when it's just, you know, the casting staff in the office, we, you know, I feel like my ideas are always really heard. And it's really, it's, again, it's an open environment to be able to give my ideas and it's good to hear why or why not that might not work for this production maybe there's something about a certain actor that won't fit that I didn't know about so it's good for me to learn and continue building my knowledge base on all these actors how do you think you bring yourself to the casting process my background both as obviously not a professional actor but still as someone who performed I think that that helps a lot 
in that I'm able to empathize with actors and I think that's really important because acting is such a vulnerable thing and it's so brave and vulnerable that you know actors open themselves up and are so raw for us in the room and so I it's really really important to empathize with that because we're all just human beings and creating a nice safe environment in the room exactly yeah and also the few brief months that I interned at a talent agency also helps me empathize with the agents and managers that I talk to every day because that's another thing so much of what we do seems so transactional um but again they're humans too and it sure it's easy to get frustrated if you know we're just trying to get work done quickly and just facilitate things but I find it really important to draw back on my experiences on the other side of this you know business conversation and empathy is very important how often or how many hours do you think that you would work in a in like a given week is it would you say it's pretty average yeah for me personally it's usually a 40-hour week that's not the same for other people in our office because and it depends you know I've had weeks where I've had really really long days because there's a director that's here from London for like 72 hours that we have to cast a 20 person Broadway show for or you know I'm uploading videotapes from auditions to send to a team that's across the country but it needs to get to them by a certain point so that's that's an outlier for me um for other folks in our office especially people who work on TV and film stuff because so much of that is bi-coastal they're in the office you know sometimes until eight nine ten o'clock if there's things that need to be done and all of that is so time sensitive Mm. especially on episodic work do you feel that you're able to maintain like a proper proper in quotations work-life balance yeah I think I am and I mean there's not many industries that this is the case but so many people that are my coworkers and also people that I you know are our clients or people that are rolling through our office are some of my closest friends so even if I'm going to see a show for work quote-unquote after work you know I'm there with my coworkers and there with my friends that are in the industry also so none of it doesn't always feel like work even though it is can you walk us through a day of auditions callbacks when you're actually in the room with actors and how the creative team is working with you guys and what are those discussions like the whole process sometimes we'll have pre-screens for a project if it's something really specific that we're looking for or kids you know that we aren't too familiar with um so sometimes we'll do pre-screens with just casting to see who we want to bring back to the creative team if it's a team that we know well if it's a director that we've worked with several times we you know grow to learn their tastes and people that they like does it feel like actor after actor after actor walking in the room and doing stuff and it's just like you're getting bombarded with so many uh, creative juices and stuff like that or does it feel like you know you you're you're going from one thing to the next and it's the day is just going by or does it feel like that energy that you know an actor might have by walking in the room and putting it all out there i definitely do feel that i feel like every session is different and it depends on what the play is that we're auditioning for, what the role is that we're seeing. You know, obviously a day where we're seeing six, seven, eight different roles feels very different than a day of eight hours of the same role coming in, which is also, you know, both good and both really interesting. And it, you know, when it's eight hours of the same people doing the same material, 
I mean, it's different actors coming in and doing such different takes, which is so wonderful. And I really love to speak to actors and I love to hear, you know, sometimes the team will ask them a bit about their process in the room, which is really interesting to hear, you know, how they've worked through the text without any outside information from the team at all. And then it's great to see the director or playwright collaborate with this actor, even if it's just for a few minutes, to give notes and work through something and try to see something from, you know, a different perspective. And sometimes these performances are so wildly different than what they first came in with. And I think it's that's an exciting, enlightening thing for the actor as well. And do you sometimes have to give that direction and play director a little bit? Sometimes I do. Because um, f- I'm sure that that could be really creative for you. Yes, definitely. Even if it's not necessarily what the character is and just seeing if they could take the note. It's something that I do usually when it's just casting in the room. Um, you know, if the director's there, I'll let them roll with their yeah. own vision. <laughs> <laughs> I won't try to uh, interfere on that. But yeah, it's I do actually like to give direction to the actors, whether it's something like for Oklahoma that I work on. We've I've been in so many sessions with the director and the associate director for that, and I know what their tastes are and I know what they say and how they guide actors, you know, to get to a certain point because, I mean, that's a really unique position because it's such a well-known text and it's such a well-known entity and so many people have seen the film and traditional productions of it and trying to steer people in the complete opposite direction is exciting and, you know, we're seeing people that are, that wouldn't typically be auditioning for like what this material is um but i it's nice to be able to work with actors and you know that brings me back to my own performing days i'm like hmm is this something is this a direction that i would have gotten something out of perhaps not because i'm in retirement now if you could give i guess a piece of advice or if you could say one thing to the actor out there listening who is probably nervous either in the waiting room or in the hallway or about to go in, what would you what would you tell them? Um, my favorite th- saying that we have is we casting is one hundred percent of the time rooting for the actor. We want you to succeed because then that means we're succeeding in our job, and we are always setting you up for success the best we can. And if there's you know ever anything that we could do to make it easier, because again, it's such it's scary and it's a stressful vulnerable position to put yourself in not only to be meeting someone new for the first time maybe and maybe it's someone of high profile like the director or playwright or something and then opening yourself up completely emotionally and like tearing your chest open in front of maybe some strangers we just are there to help honestly what are some pet peeves that you've seen actors do or yeah, just doing the room that you're like, I really don't like that, or mm, they just lost it. Um, I guess an easy trap to fall into is if someone has rehearsed some material ad nauseum a certain way, and then they get a direction either from casting or the director or the playwright, and they don't take that direction... And maybe it's not even a conscious thing that they're doing. Maybe it's just because they've drilled what they've done so into their head. That is, you know, it's a 
bit frustrating because everyone is setting you up for success in the room. Everyone wants to help you and everyone wants to see how you will fit into this world of this production that they're creating. So I think just, again, like reminding yourself to be at peace and flexible with what you have and try not to be so stuck in your ways if you've, you know, decided how something is. So that's not a, I don't want to say a pet peeve because that sounds negative, but you know, that's something that, it's a pitfall. It gets in your way. Yeah, Yeah. a pitfall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's positive. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) You talked about getting into the world of the play. Mm. So how do you and the director collaborate before going into a casting process? And especially if they're not in the room with you. Because I know you said like with Daniel Fish, Mm -hmm. you were able to get that by being in the room with him. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you saw it when it was downtown or in in Brooklyn. But for somebody who's not in the room and you've never worked with before, how do you get that world that they're trying to create in the play so that you can facilitate a good list for callbacks and to show them? I think that's a good question of like the very beginnings of a casting process that people don't always think about for the most part if we can start the whole process off with a conference call with as many members of the team as we can I think that'll only set us up you know positively for the experience and it is of course every situation is different and if it's you know a playwright and director that we work with all the time we're knowing their taste in actors we know specific specific actors that they like and have worked with in the past but if it is a totally new team that we're working with it is challenging in a good way but it's exciting to learn their tastes and people that they like and it's helpful to know their vision for the production and even if they don't give us insight on specific actors that they're interested in for production or a specific type of person I guess we just start off with our favorite people that we know and a varied spectrum of people that we like to see who they respond to the most. And then as, you know, the days of auditions go on, we can continue to mold Narrow that. it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like a little arrow glass yeah. method. Yeah. Are there any times or situations where maybe casting has pushed either a one person, you know, talking to the creative team saying no we really believe in this person or is it you really like let it up to the director and the team to decide we like to say that casting is a service industry so at the end of the day even if we think that one actor is so right for something and if the director or someone on the team wants someone else we're there to you know help them realize what their creative vision is and that's fine and people have different creative tastes it's always great when creative teams ask for our input which of course they do very often but you know sometimes it just boils down to differing opinions can you give us an example of when you have to revisit a production after you've already cast the project maybe somebody didn't accept the offer and how do you guys uh rework the puzzle because they always say it's a puzzle and if one person matched up really well with this person it could throw off you know, the whole chemistry between those two leads. And does that actually stand true? Absolutely. Um, I think that I personally do a bit less maintenance in that respect because so much of what we do is a limited run and we're not always replacing people. But for instance, you know, people not accepting offers. For things like that, like... um, you know working on a show right now where we've worked 
gone through a few different people that we've made offers to that are unavailable or unable to do the production for whatever reason and it is we're trying to cast a husband and a wife and it's not by auditions it's by offers that we're doing this just because it's slightly higher status names and it's something that we have to think about each time we make an offer to one person how is this person going to match with someone else and sometimes people on the creative team aren't as familiar with those actors so that's something where if we're not in an audition situation it's finding like their proper work from tv or film that they've done that showed the right side of them that will match as for replacing people and things that are running um and especially vacation swings in Oklahoma and you know people that are going in just for a few weeks it's hard and that's such a it's such an interesting world and especially those swings are covering such vastly different parts that you sort of have to as long as they're fitting in the universe and can you know you're not nitpicking as much yeah as the specifics of each character because nobody's going to be exactly everybody exactly unless you're that good right Right. and that would be impressive but um (laughs) yeah and it's also this is not something that i do every day but that's also different for musicals because it's so technical the you know the vocal range that they have to have or the exact dance the exact choreography that they have to do so you were just talking about offer only and for anyone Mm. out there listening that's not familiar with that can you talk about what that is sure so that is basically when we're casting a production and we are looking for someone a little bit fancier maybe a bit of a star name that we want to be Um, the cornerstone of a production producers especially you know obviously love to have a star in their show if it's a commercial production or even a nonprofit production because it'll draw more people in to see the show and obviously some of these fancier people are far past auditioning in their career so you know we're just making that's basically just us making lists of bigger names celebrities your dream cast yeah the dream cast i'm always so curious as to like when or how or why someone like where is that line of like going from you know that grinding work to then now i'm just an offer only like actor i assume a tony award helps it helps (laughs) i think like five i think like five tony awards probably it helps but also we have tony winners that do audition for things i think it depends you know what the project project, and if the director hasn't seen them some people i'm sure are like no i want to see everybody totally and i've run into that where you know i was asking kind of higher level actors to come in for things and the agents would call me and say this person hasn't auditioned in three years or whatever it is and i say you know I know, and I totally understand and respect that. Um, but it's, you know, a director that isn't familiar with this person, and we definitely want to see them with the material. How open are they then at that point? It depends. It depends, yeah. It depends. Some yeah. people are, and some people aren't. Sure. And then I say, well, that's fine. Next. And we'll put them on the list, and, you know. Yeah. What's your relationship like with agents and managers? It's good. You know, I find it important to cultivate a personal relationship with them outside not outside of work but it's important to you know get to know them as aside from the transactions as yes, you exactly, as you put it exactly aside from the <laughs> transactional relationship um it's 
really important to get to know them as people and get to know what their tastes are in their clients. And I think that representation is such a great field. You know, it's I think it's so wonderful that they are championing for these actors, their clients that they believe in so much and they can see them in so many different, you know, roles. Yeah. Worlds, huh. roles. <laughs> yeah, roles. <laughs> I'm sure that was what you were going for. That's what I was going yeah. for. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, in in another way, I'm sure that your relationship helps build trust on their end with their lists and trusting their taste and, and leaning on certain agents or managers to be like, listen, I have this role. Like, I'm sure you've got somebody. Yeah, absolutely. And I make that phone call all the time and the casting directors and my department make that phone call all the time. Those agents that we trust and I've had relationships with them for years and I know their roster is really strong and I know that they have really great actors that we've cast in things or we call into audition all the time and I'll just write to them and I'll say, just give me some ideas for this and pick up the phone and run ideas off each other, which is beyond helpful because there's also people there's so many actors so 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 many actors and one person cannot know everyone Mm. so it's great to have someone that you trust whose taste you trust to introduce you to some new talent uh if a casting call has specific criteria physically describing a character Mm -hmm. should an actor still submit or go into a call or should an agent push them for or like put put them in for an appointment um, if they don't fit the bill but love and connect to the role itself I think that is situational I think as for agents pushing clients or like going in for an appointment situation I feel as though it's a bit less flexible and those specifications are probably on the breakdown for a reason for whatever that reason is but if you are an actor and you see an EPA or an ECC listed and there's something that you, you know, maybe might not be a perfect fit for, but you still go in an audition, I have sat in EPAs and ECCs and seen people that weren't right at all for that show, but I saw something that was really interesting and really wonderful about them and I've met some really just put them on your radar yeah and i've suggested them to other casting directors in our department and they've booked those in our office and they've booked jobs that was completely different from what they came in for um but all that to say sometimes you know teams visions will change from what the initial breakdown was who's writing those breakdowns you or the creative team Um, A mix of both, for the most part. The creative team, you know, if there's character descriptions in the script already, that's a big help for us. Um, And sometimes the directors will write it, and sometimes they'll say, you can just, you guys can just pull that together, because we've read the script, and, you know, we're familiar with the work at that point. So, like, it's not, like, a hidden secret that, like, the diversity is like it's just not there on Broadway yet. I, there's a lot of work that needs to get done, and so I'm curious from a casting perspective. I don't want to like put like I don't want to put blame on anybody, but I'm wondering like you know since you guys come up with the list for the most part of recommendations. I mean, obviously creative team aside and their suggestions aside, like what are like how are we able to kind of push that a little bit more? 
it is definitely an uphill battle and it's something that is always at the forefront of our mind as you know casting folk and there's no reason that Caucasian should be the default for anything and unfortunately that's how some creative teams think and that's how some people think of their shows and think of like the default who they're casting and who they're bringing in I think that the casting community as a whole is really proactive about not only putting people on lists and auditioning people of every ethnicity for every role unless it's something specific to the plot which of course is a different situation but if you know if ethnicity or background is not listed there's no reason that that character can't be any ethnicity and in addition to working on racial diversity within casts it's important to also you know have actors with disabilities on our list and audition them because again that's something that these teams are not thinking of and they do not have as much visibility as you know yeah no it's just important for audiences to be able to see themselves on stage and you know that responsibility is is not just the director it's it's the whole team including the casting directors absolutely and you know sometimes some teams are more open than others to us giving them an idea of an actor or a different type that they you know weren't thinking of at first but there's I mean it's true there's not a lot of racial diversity in the entertainment industry at all in front of the camera on stage behind the scenes um so you know working on those initiatives and hiring more people of color and people and actors with disabilities to work on productions can only help that trend upward but you know it's a slow battle but it's something that we're so conscious of and we think of all the time and sometimes you know sometimes some you win some you lose yeah, some yeah yeah yeah. Sometimes people are just stuck in their ways. Oh, yeah. 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 So if we ask somebody that either works with you in your office or somebody that's auditioned for you, mm-hmm. what do you think they would say? <laughs> what do you think they would say about you and, and how you are in the room and uh, your your collaboration on a project? What kind of, what, what do you think that you bring that stands out to them? I my sense of humor I think people that I work with and actors would say because I I try to make everyone comfortable even you know outside of a professional setting I am constantly making jokes often self-deprecating and you're another Leo oh I'm a Leo baby oh me too I forgot forgot about that. Madison just always posts Leo things on (laughs) social media. And well, it's unfortunately not anymore. 365 days a year. Yeah. Well, I guess. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, So I have. So so assuming they they would say you're a Leo. They would say I'm a Leo probably. Yeah. Um, I, I try to bring humor into everything because at the end of the day, we're not curing cancer. We're not saving lives here. And it's, I obviously 
and everyone takes what they do seriously, but it's so important to bring lightness to it. And I, you know, especially with actors that are coming into the room, I know that it's a stressful situation. And if I can make them laugh even once or even for one second, be like, hello, what is this woman saying at me? I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't know. My sense of humor is probably the biggest thing just yeah. to try to lighten it up. I would up. say. And, and also I love to talk to people um, and I'm, you know, outgoing and I love to get to know our creative teams as people outside of our, you know, professional relationship while we're working on a show together. But that also helps me, you know, get gain their trust and vice versa. So just talking a lot. Just making people laugh. That's good. Um, so <laughs> that's good. That's good. Good. <laughs> a plus. Oh, good. Um, so you work on mostly theatrical productions. You said earlier. Yes. So do you work on all of the, the theatrical productions that come through to your office, or how how do you split up what comes to you guys? In our department, the five of us, uh, we just split things pretty evenly as to how we split it, either schedule-wise or if it's an existing work that one of us really likes. Like, for instance, um, my coworker Destiny, we were working on a production of Raisin in the Sun at Williamstown last summer, and she really wanted to work on that, so she took that. Or there's playwrights or directors that we really like our relationships with that we have worked with several times and want to continue working with it. Or it's something that we had come through as a reading a year or two ago or longer, and it's now come back as a full-fledged full production, and so then we gain it that way. The distribution is always pretty even. The timing of it is sometimes, sometimes it seems like one of us is swamped and the other one's less busy. You were on Moscow times six, right? Correct. So that was one that, you know, started at Williamstown. Mm -hmm and then it moved to MCC. Mm -hmm. One of the roles in Moscow, who was played at MCC by Stephen Boyer, was not played by Stephen at Williamstown. So what went down in the casting process that made that switch for you guys? So, yeah, that was um, the role that Micah Stock played up in Williamstown. He was just in Britney Runs a Marathon. Oh, yes, Which he was, was a great movie. Yeah, he's really wonderful. He was great. He's really wonderful. It made and me really want to see him because I didn't see it at Williamstown. Yeah, so Micah was had been attached for a long time. And just a month or two before we started rehearsal, he booked another project that he couldn't turn down, which happens with actors, obviously. And, you know, we can never hold it against them. It's That's what the business is. So... He booked something exciting, so he was unable to join us, and we were just thinking of some of our favorite actors, and obviously Stephen Boyer is a big staple at MCC from Hand to God, which was another MCC to Broadway transfer, and he's a genius, I think, and it was really interesting to see him in that role, and, you know, we were lucky enough that he was available for yeah, us. That's so intense. It's so great. Intense. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So it was awesome to be able to get him, um, you know, someone equally as brilliant and such a and, and great different. actor. Yeah. And a totally different take on the role that, you know, we 
didn't initially think of, but he fit in the world so well, and he just rounded out the cast really nicely. Is there a story that you could share with us that was like the first time that you realized in the casting room that casting was where you wanted to be? It was actually when I was still an intern, and I was able to sit in the room for auditions for Nice Girl at the Labyrinth Theater, and I was there with the director and playwright and our casting director, Will, and interns at Telsey get to sit in so many auditions, which is an incredible, incredible privilege, and it's an incredible learning experience, but it's also important as interns to remember that, you know, we are not the cast the full casting team so we don't often give our opinions and or say much at all in the room just getting to watch which is great in and of itself but I remember being in that room and there were we were having callbacks and there were two different sets of a male and a woman that would have fit together there were four people called back and two people obviously fit with each other and another two people obviously fit better and they were both really interesting and they both versions of the scene were so great to see and both valid just different and I remember um I remember the director asked what my opinion was and I sort of glanced at the casting director to be sure it was okay that I said my opinion he was like yeah go ahead and I said well I personally preferred you know this x and y x and y and they wound up getting cast and i was like that's pretty cool now to clarify it wasn't random interns input that tipped the scale but was it and so then (laughs) but was it and so i guess it was at that point that i was like this is really cool and you know i can make a little bit of a difference here and you know it's nice I'm able to form my own opinions and see them heard and then see them executed on stage and so it was really and then it was really cool to see that show and see those two we always ask our guests as a final question we're at the end (laughs) what was the last great piece of theater that you've seen I am lucky enough that I get to see a lot of theater both that either I or someone else in our office has worked on or something that people outside of our office have cast. Um, Something really great that I've seen recently that we worked on that I actually cast is The Sound Inside on Broadway with Mary Louise Parker and Will Hockman, which I won't say anything about the plot because all of it would be a big spoiler, but that writing is so stunning and that piece is so gorgeous and I don't often get emotionally affected in the theater which is a personal (laughs) issue that uh, maybe I got some blocks but I was catatonic after seeing that and I couldn't speak for like 30 minutes genuinely because I was so moved by it and internalizing everything that happened so that is really gorgeous would recommend you pop over to studio 54 to see that As for something that I didn't work on, 
I was in London last spring and I got to see Matthew Lopez's The Inheritance, which was a masterpiece. Oh, it was. It was a masterpiece. I, and I am so excited to see it on Broadway. It was... I, I only saw part one while I was in London because <gasps> scheduling just didn't work because I was already I already had tickets to other things. Oh, no. So I saw part one and I cannot wait to finally see part two. I'm going to do them both again. But you gotta it's, cannot... it's another two-parter? It's yeah, a two-parter. It's two That's such a theme this season. I love it. Seems like I, every season. Well, yeah. I love these huge stories. Epics. Epic stories. I mean, The Inheritance is so stunning. And it's such an interesting look into New York life and gay men living in New York, which, you know, is obviously not how I identify, but it's so interesting and it's so gorgeous to me to see how these humans just live. And it is such just the journey through these men's lives is so so stunning and it was incredible with all those british actors and i am even more excited to see these new york men playing these new york men on broadway oh boy oh boy anyone can go it is so anytime exciting. and see that good play oh well thanks so much for coming on the podcast thanks and so giving us some casting insight me. oh good thanks for Glad having to have me a guys. fellow leo I don't know if we've had a fellow Leo on before. Oh, my God. oh For my man. Sake. It it's Mary, it's Mary's season right now, right? <laughs> no. No, no, it's not. It's Some, not. Do you no. need me back for more Leo energy here? Oh, we could always use Leo energy. Oh, yeah. On Everyone could. Everyone could. Everyone right? could. Right? Okay. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> All right, we're a little crazy. Bye. All right, bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Page to Stage. To keep up with us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Page to Stage Podcast. And if you're enjoying these conversations, we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Until next time. That's Brian. That's Mary. We'll see you later. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.